Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. (laughs) I was able to do my full Minnesotan accent for some friends from South Carolina the other night, and they were just like, What? Shacked. Were they shacked? Shacked. <laughs> they were shacked. It was shacking. <laughs> the love shack. <laughs> anyway. I'm Kenyon. Oh, yeah. there we go. I'm Lucy. I'm Amanda. I'm super <laughs> shiny today because I just got my spray tan. Oh. So I can't really wipe it off. No. I'm just always so shiny. shiny. I like that look. I look like my eyelids were stung by bees because I had my eyeliner touched up. But now I'm good for 20 years. That's good. (laughs) Good. So I'll take it. As long as you stay out of the sun. Which, easy. No prab. (laughs) No prab. I love my basement. Also, when I'm down in Iowa this weekend, I need to keep with tradition of hashtag my new hat. I want to find a nice Big sun, sun hat. hat. So can we shop? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm bringing. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah. I'm bringing my large away suitcase so that we can shop. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Because I'm gonna bring Lord. my Stetson down, but it's not the same as a big. Uh, no, as a I big want. Old sun I hat. want a sun hat that is floppy enough that you can like lean back and mm-hmm. read, and the front is still oh, yeah. providing shape, like one of those oh, bonnets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, we'll go we'll go shopping. Maybe a visor. Ah. All right. Well, this week we have a very special fan pick brought to you by Holly Brown. Oh yeah. Encyclopedia Brown. Going um, down to Brown Town. <laughs> Holly has selected the topic of wrongful executions. Oh, why do you do this to us? Holly. Well, they explain why. Yeah, uh. they do explain why, but yeah, it's gonna be tough. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so Holly would like to shout out their gateway gals, Debbie and Andrea. And this is a little excerpt from Holly's email. Quote, I have been thinking about what my topic choice would be for forever, and I think I would want to go with wrongful executions. This is a topic near and dear to our hearts, as my boyfriend is a criminology professor at the U of M Duluth, Mm -hmm. a death penalty abolitionist. Mm -hmm. Woo, woo, woo. And has literally written the book, actually a few of them, on the death penalty. Sorry, super proud girlfriend here. Yes. Oh, you should be proud. Yeah, get you a girlfriend who brags about you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In addition, with the wave of federal executions happening right now and so many people still being in support of the death penalty, I thought it would be a great time to highlight the crime of innocent people being murdered at the hands of our government in the name of justice. Mm -hmm. Although I don't think the guilty ones should be killed either. Correct. And that is how I feel as Mm -hmm. well. Same. Mm -hmm. Like the risk is too high of an innocent person being put to death. I just think it's barbaric. I just don't think our government should have the right to 
take a life. Correct. Yeah. I agree. But I mean, like, even just, I don't know. I think if one person is wrongfully executed, that's yeah. too many right. to keep this as an option. Because and obviously, it's not, what purpose does it serve? Right. Like It's it not restorative serve, justice. No, it doesn't serve any purpose. Like, And the risk, like you said, is too great. Mm-hmm. And Holly also picked this case, or this topic, when he who shall not be named was still president. Right. Just yeah. a few short months ago, and like literally in the final hour, was like approving. Yeah, and they were just through. like killing as many as they yep. could. It was bonkers. I mean, it was like a wave of executions and more death at the hands of the state than we had seen in like literally decades, H- like maybe hundreds of years. I don't even the, fucking know. It was, it was wild. A, that wouldn't the go GOP with is a of death years. cult. Well, no, but still. not hundreds of years, but decades. Right. Too long. Yeah, the GOP is a death cult. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. should we get to our wine crime pairing for wrongful executions? Yes, yes please. Let's. Yes, let's. So, because this is a Duluth represent fan picker, Holly also wanted us to go with mm-hmm. a Duluth beer. And I'm so nice. excited about this. Yeah, yeah. So, I wanted to take this opportunity to shout out Brian Tanis of Bent Paddle Brewing. I had the absolute pleasure of working with Brian years ago when he was a brewer for Rock Bottom Minneapolis, and he left Rock Bottom to go up to Duluth and launch Bent Paddle Brewing, and their beer is chef's kiss. Absolutely phenomenal. He's so talented. Hmm. I have a couple favorites of theirs. The Venture Pilsner and their Black Ale with Cold Press Coffee. Oh, Two of my absolute faves. But it's a billion degrees here, so I am Mm going to be sipping the Venture Pilsner. I also had the foresight to put my glass in the fridge for 30 minutes before I poured it. Oh, my god! I know, so I fucking crushed it. Wow. Nice. And this is just a little blurb about the Venture Pilsner from their website. Quote, this craft lager harmonizes noble hops and premium malts found in North America and Europe. We did the traveling to save you the paddling. (laughs) Brewed with pristine Lake Superior water, Mm -hmm. this straw-colored Pilsner takes on characteristics of Bohemia and Northern Germany with a touch of American inventiveness. Refreshingly crisp. With a gentle floral hap aroma. So oh, nice hap. Haps. Mm-hmm. So cheers, everyone. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. I'm, I'm drinking um, a hard cider because it is also a billion degrees here. Yeah. I'm drinking water because it's also a billion degrees mm-hmm. here. <laughs> this fragging heat, I tell ya. Mm-hmm. That's uh, okay. All right. Well, I love it. Lucy, what is our background and maybe psych and probably lots of very sad facts? Yep. Can't about wait. wrongful executions. Well, let's just dive right in, shall we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Execution, aka capital punishment or the death penalty, is the state sanctioned killing of a person as punishment for a crime. In the United States, and this may have been the number before this spate of fucking executions at the end of the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. 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 But the number that I found was there have been 1,533 people executed by the government. That's it? Wow. That's since, that is since 1976, I think. Okay. I apparently left out that part. Yeah. These policies are very political. There is a lot to be said about it, and I have a feeling that we will fucking get to it. Probably. Mm -hmm. 
Today, we're talking about people who were wrongfully executed, which is just lovely. Mm -hmm. So in terms of stats about that, there is literally no way to know, even roughly and reliably, how many people have been wrongfully executed in this country, besides the obvious fact that justified executions have been defined very fucking loosely in the past. Yep. Mm-hmm. I can give us a little bit of insight into some more current information. This is a quote from The Innocence Project. A 2014 study by the National Academy of Sciences reports that at least 4.1% of defendants sentenced to death in the United States are innocent. Wow. The article called Rate of False Conviction of Criminal Defendants Who Are Sentenced to Death reveals that the number of innocent people is likely more than double the number of those actually exonerated and freed from death row. Good yeah, God. when I was when I was looking for a case, it there were a lot of cases of people where it's like they were executed and we strongly suspect now that they were innocent, but like mm-hmm. there's once, no way to know. Yeah, there's no way to know. And once they're executed, it's like they're not there's not going to be an appeal. Yeah, mm-hmm. no one's no one's really fighting for them and spending their resources on them anymore. Right, right. Because those resources are better directed towards people who are currently facing death row. But yeah, it, it so there are like a ton more cases where it's like these people were probably innocent but we're not gonna know and then they're yep. like a few where it's like oh no they were fucking proven innocent uh-huh. and it's too late now yeah mm-hmm. or a bunch of people where it's like they were proven innocent after spending decades on death row facing mm-hmm. execution and then like narrowly missing actually being killed mm-hmm. yep and they're saying that the number of actual innocent people is probably twice that number yeah because cool, yeah cool, because cool, like cool, you cool, said cool, it's cool. so hard to quantify that it's yeah, it's just yeah. more likely that there are so many more we'll never know about. And the way that the justice system was even worse, like it's bad now, but the way that it was even worse mm-hmm. before oh, with like all white juries so, and like. Oh, we'll, we'll get yeah. to that. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Great. Oh, fun. This is a good episode. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I have a rage warning at the top of my case. Great. So newly available DNA evidence has allowed the exoneration and release of more than 20 death row inmates since 1992 in the United States. But DNA evidence is available in only a fraction of capital cases. Mm -hmm. So I think obviously technology advancements and and especially with DNA analysis that has freed a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But it's just not available. And like we've in plenty of cases that we've covered, DNA tends to conveniently go missing a lot of times or is tainted or. And like, where did we get off even trying to put people to death before we even had technology for such a thing as Mm -hmm. DNA evidence? Well, they couldn't. Where did we get off? No, I know. Evidence ever existing. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't even about. Like, it's not actually about the truth. It's not. Or the justice. It's about the stats and the clout. Yeah. It's about, so great. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Love yep. Yep. It. I remember in seventh grade doing one of those. De- A debate. You and I were opposed to each other and I was pro death penalty. Oh, Laura Barnes. It was Ooh. awful. I mean, Shmora Barnes. Yes. You were, you were against. We were with the two British twins. I'm pretty yep. sure. Yep. Laura and Emily. So it was <laughs> It was Kenyon and one twin versus me and the other identical twin so arguing about the, de- twins. the death right. yeah, the death penalty. <laughs> Great. 
And I was oh, like, wow. I just uh, there's really not a lot of good arguments for the death penalty mm-hmm. other than yeah, the you cost were... of keeping a prisoner alive for a year. Like, okay, yeah, but it's then actually quit more putting expensive. people in jail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the stats show that actually death penalty. Maybe is more we shouldn't expensive. have for profit prisons. Then I bet the costs of jailing someone would go I down. I just want to clarify if it wasn't too, a profit making enterprise, right. right? That Lucy was assigned the position of yes. pro. Oh, we yeah. were also it was in an assignment. Because it was it was yes, it was a school assignment. So yeah. I just, thank you for just clarifying. Before the emails come in. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is not it was, like a pre this is not a middle school position that Lucy actually had on the death penalty. No. <laughs> and also even if it was it's middle can school. Can we fucking chill? She was in of seventh course. grade. Our yeah. opinions can evolve since seventh grade. Absolutely. And it wasn't. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving on. Anyway, so clearly this topic is seriously tricky and political and complex that I don't even think my segment will be remotely entertaining if I were to really dive down this particular rabbit hole. So instead, Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about some unique methods of execution throughout history. Oh, God. And just a blanket trigger warning. Some of these are quite violent. So if you're squeamish or you don't like hearing about this kind of shit, please fast forward probably through the rest of this episode. Mm. But also, okay. what are you doing listening to this? Right. Podcast? Yeah. Well, some of these. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you can be executed by animals, such as being crushed by an elephant, devoured by lions, alligators, crocodiles, piranhas, and sharks. You can get thrown into a snake pit, a pit of snakes. Yep. Got it. That was easy to follow, but thank you for the clarification. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't have a lot of questions about that one. It's but a euphemism. A- it's a euphemism today, but it was like a, pit, a fucking pit of snakes. You it's can be a, tied okay. into a sack with various animals and then thrown into the water. Good God. And this is called the pina coulée, pina colada. Oh. You can be torn apart and, and or quartered by horses, and you could also be trampled by said horses. Yeah. Never and trust just, a horse person. Just no. For people, for folks who like don't know what Quarter, being drawn and quartered is Ugh. like because you hear it a lot but I feel like people don't take the time to like really think about what it means like literally you're tied each limb to a different horse uh-huh and mm-hmm. then they make them run uh-huh. and, then you're, and they rip you apart yep yep so since yep. we're kind of on this topic I'm scrolling down a little bit because I also have a segment a little tidbit about being hung strung and quartered So this is kind of similar. This was traditionally given to anyone found guilty of high treason during the Middle Ages. The culprit would be hanged and seconds before death released. So they're still alive and then disemboweled with their organs being thrown into the fire. Again, they're alive during this part. (laughs) Amanda's face. Once they finally died, then they would be cut into four pieces and traditionally have their body parts sent to four different parts of the the given city as like a public warning to others. And then like strung up. So there's just like a piece of a body hanging for a while. Yeah. Like a mm, scarecrow. Like a quarter of a scarecrow. But a dead body. But it's a, yeah. Mm -hmm, Okay. Okay. Anyway, so in terms of the quartering, then that could... That could have also played a factor. It's just like kind of tradition to send your mm-hmm. pieces off to different areas. To mm-hmm. so okay. those are things about the four horses, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Great. Yeah, there's something about it. 
Well, horses are really strong, too. I feel like, you know, you're tied, your limbs are tied to four different horses, and then they all get spanked at the same time. Mm-hmm. They, like, run. Ooh. Yeah, I, I can visualize it, but thank you for the uh, <laughs> the additional help. Yeah. Okay, you could also be buried alive, and this is a... Can was, I be? This was the traditional punishment for vestal virgins who broke their vows. What? What does that mean? Like so they you, were supposed to be nuns, but they banged? In ancient Rome, this was a virgin consecrated to Vesta and vowed to chastity, sharing the charge of maintaining the sacred fire burning on the goddess's altar. So it's somebody who's assigned to be a virgin. They're just assigned by the church to be a virgin. Daughters God, of the state. The fuck? Or, I guess sexu- not the church. This is ancient Rome. Having sexual relations with anyone was tantamount to treason. In this way, the Vestal Virgin was not buried alive, but simply sent to a room with few provisions where she would die a natural death. Oh, that's that's great. So much yeah. better. Okay. But uh, Vesta is the goddess of the hearth. So it says the College of the Vestals was regarded as fundamental to the continuance and security of Rome. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah, well. feti- fetishizing female... V- Virginity, virginity is always is really fun yeah. and safe. Yeah, I love it. This is great. Yeah. Anyway, so we're nailing this, or just slowly, <laughs> the, yeah. you know, starve to death in Starving a room. to death. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is one of my favorites. Another form of execution is blowing from a gun. So that means being tied to the mouth of a cannon before it's fired. So the cannon Good just kind of goes through. Yeah. <laughs> this one will be familiar to Game of Thrones oh, fans. <laughs> I can't get over Amanda's faces. I'm going to get stuck like this. <laughs> well, it's not. I've got a ways to go. Good. Uh, great. You'll, you'll, you'll recognize this one. The punishment of molten metal was a punishment mm-hmm. for greed. It was poured either down one's neck or over one's head to resemble a crown. Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I did that to Daenerys's brother. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I got to rewatch that shit. So good. Oh God. Okay, here's a <laughs> here's a doozy. The blood eagle. So there are photos on the drive of this because it's kind of hard to follow along. So this is when they cut the skin of the victim down the spine, breaking the ribs so that they resemble blood-stained wings, and then pulling the lungs out through the wounds in the victim's back. So kind of like that scene in um, Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs. Or Silence of the Lambs, yeah. It's kind of like that. So if you go to the drive, if you want to, this yeah. will be on the blog, if you want to. The yep. first two photos. Uh, so the skin, the skin of the back is kind of peeled like forward okay. to like look like wings. Yep. Got it? It's, it's, it's getting to me. Amanda, you got it? Next. Yep. Got it. Next. <laughs> Next, we have the brazen bull, which is being locked inside an iron bull statue and then being cooked to death when a fire is lit underneath. What is fucking wrong with humans we what are is wrong with us we're sick yeah we're sick what is fucking wrong with our species like i know let's make a bull statue let's, let's spend the resources on that and then yeah cook someone to death inside of it like we, uh, we always a see like cave paintings and stuff and it's like wow this is when civilization began whatever but this is a case of art literally being used to torture and I, kill. Yeah. 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 Like it's one, it's entwined. Like we it's didn't have Netflix the then, so I get it that people yeah. had a lot more time to Continue just. Continue watching. Do a lot yes, of time I'm on their watching. hands. 
do something awful, but my God. It's and again, not the great. sending of a message, which I would argue kind of plays along with today's death penalty in the United States. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what it is. And it's not even a message to like potential criminals. It's like a message to voters from politicians. (laughs) Like that's all it is. That's fucking gross. Okay. This was my favorite on my list. Keel hauling. Oh, is this this what I think it is? Yes. This applies mostly to sailors. So they would be tied to a line that was looped beneath the sailing vessel thrown overboard on one side of the ship and ship and then dragged under the ship's keel so like the bottom of the ship either from one side to the other or from le- the length of the ship from the bow to the stern so the common supposition is that keel hauling amounted to a sentence of either death by extreme torture or minimally a physical trauma likely to permanently maim the hull of the ship was usually covered in barnacles and other marine growth, and thus keel hauling would typically result in serious lacerations, of which the victim could later suffer infection and scarring, if they survived. Yeah, when, or they would just drown. If the victim was dragged slowly, his weight might lower him sufficiently to miss the barnacles, but this method would frequently result in his drowning. There was also a risk of head trauma from colliding against the hull or the keel, especially if the ship was in motion. Additionally, if sailing through shark-infested waters, there was a risk of the victim suffering a fatal shark attack. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Keel hauling. How and we've does got, anyone even fucking come up with that? I don't I, know. Yeah, uh, that's horrific. Like, if you want someone to die, like, if they committed a crime on the boat and you want them to die, just... just toss them toss over. Them. Or shoot them or something. Then toss them. Okay, we got disemboweling, dismemberment, drowning, falling, and flaying. On to scaphism. This one is super extra. This is an ancient Persian method of execution in which the condemned was placed in between two boats, force-fed a mixture of honey and milk, and left floating in a stagnant pond. The victim would then suffer from severe diarrhea, which would attract insects that would burrow, nest, and feed on the victim, and the victim would eventually die of septic shock. Like, how Um, do you fucking even figure that out? (laughs) Trial and error of the brutalist kind? Isn't that so extra? Like, why? So So they would leave them tied between these boats for, like, days, weeks, whatever? Uh Uh-huh. Good lord. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Who th- who did that honey and milk would give you ho- horrible diarrhea? Well, they're probably just lactose intolerant. Like 90% of the world, why is any milk fucking not lactate? <laughs> yeah, like shelf stable. Yeah. I think that milk tastes pretty good, actually. It's Lactate tastes exactly the fucking same. All milk should be lactate. Mm-hmm. The end. Yes, all milk. Yes, yes all milk. All milk. <laughs> <laughs> and ice cream. All right, we got slow slicing, aka death by a thousand cuts. Great. Old hat. Not not just good for emo songs. Yeah. Yeah. Suffocation by carbon monoxide from burning coals in a sealed room. That okay, was kind I'd, of inventive. I'd choose that one if I get a choice. Yeah, that's the most humane one that we've heard I yet. I would fucking love that one. Yeah, I mean, this is not just. Yeah, these are horrible ways to be killed. Oh yeah. Okay, we went through hung, strung, and quartered. What's called crushing. This is used for both, was used both as torture and execution. Medieval crushing involved placing the accused's head in a device that slowly crushed the top and the sides of the head together. Or Eventually, the whole body, right? 
Just the head from what I read. Oh, oh well, cru- yeah, that's different. Okay. That, that was kind of, you're talking about like Giles Corey, like the yeah. rocks. Or yeah. wait. Do you what? know what we're saying, Amanda? Oh, yes. I hate it. Amanda, do you know this reference? For the s- Salem Witch Trials, Giles oh, Corey. Sure. The okay. old man, and they, they put him on a rock, and they added more rocks and more weight, and they, they crushed were, him, and they tried to get him to confess. And all he to would get say to, to accuse his wife oh. of witchcraft, and all he would mm-hmm. say is more weight. All right. Well, yeah. I like that act of defiance mm-hmm. against this the is state. Just, this is just mm-hmm. the head. So, oh, okay. It crushed the top and the bottom and the sides together. Eventually, the eyes would pop out, the skull would crack, and the neck would break. But like okay. depending on how slowly you did it. When I get a massage, I have to tell them not to even touch my temples because I can't stand, like, any pressure on my temples. Because of crushing? I don't know. Maybe she just doesn't like the sensation. Mm. Yeah, you were definitely crushed in a past life. I, like, I really can't handle it. You're doing Ugh. it to yourself right now. I can do it to myself very gently, but I can't <laughs> handle anyone else touching my temples. My God. Yeah. Oh, I know how Ugh. to freak you out. No. (laughs) I'll put a gentle mixture of ketchup and grass clippings and press them against your temples. No. (laughs) With my feet. (laughs) She took her headphones off. She's out. (laughs) She just quit. (laughs) She has left the building. (laughs) That would be my ultimate torture. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah. God. Okay. We got boiling to death. This involved being flung into a cauldron of boiling water, oil, tar, tallow, or even molten lead, and then slowly or not so slowly scalding to death. Impalement. That means when you are stuck through with a large, sharp object, such as a stake, pole, spear, or hook, and left to die. This corporal punishment was regarded as one of the most shocking public forms of execution during the Middle Ages and was often given to suspected witches... Women found guilty of infanticide and child molesters. I like how most of the worst punishments were reserved for women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For women. For women. <laughs> well, because we're supposed to be chaste virgins. Kindly. Non-witch virgins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Boring. I do not fall into that category. <laughs> Absolutely not. Mm-mm. All right, the we've all heard of the witch. wheel. The oh, wheel, God. or the Catherine wheel, and that was named after Saint Catherine, who was allegedly put to death on such a wheel. I don't really get how the wheel works. So it's a wheel, and you're strapped to it like on your back, so your body's arched backwards, and then your hands are tied above you, and your feet are tied below you on the wheel, and then they turn the wheel, and somehow your limbs are like gradually broken, like. As they turn it. Yeah, the limbs are like affixed to something else that remains stationary. So oh, that okay. like when yeah, you it. turn, it like moves. Like I saw this at like a, a... It's like stretching yeah, on a rack, but on a wheel. Yeah, I saw one of these at like a medieval history music, like display or some shit. There's definitely like a piece of it that remains stationary that like there's like so much engineering that went into execution in the Middle Ages and like all of that engineering talent could have been put towards like sanitation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is why we're so behind. Yeah. Okay, they're broken on the wheel. I have a. Hey. Yep. Okay, I got an illustration for us. Great. (laughs) You'll put that on the drive. I'll put it on the drive. 
Okay, but just a quick little explanation. Those convicted to be executed by the wheel would be taken to a public stage scaffold site and tied to the floor. The execution wheel was typically a large wooden spoked wheel, the same as was used on the wooden transport ball. Okay, like a fucking wheel. Mm -hmm. The primary goal of the first act was the agonizing mutilation of the body, not the death. Therefore, the most common form would start with breaking the leg bones. To this end, the executioner dropped the execution wheel on the shin bones of the convicted person and then worked his way up to the arms. So this is crushing with a wheel. This is like kneading dough, but the dough is a person. I think there must be different ways to do it. Mm. Some scholar is going to write to us. Because also, another way, well, it says the second act, the body was braided into another wooden spoked wheel which was possible through the broken limbs or tied to the wheel good god so that's how they displayed it they wove the body into the wheel oh or braided excuse me because that's better nope never gonna think about making holla the same way ever again hard next so this description the victim's limbs were gradually broken while being while strapped onto a wheel and then left to die This form of execution could take days for the person to actually die. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then we have sawing, which is just what it sounds like. The victim would be hung upside down and slowly sawn in half. Typically as part of a magician's act. Yeah. If sawn all the way down, they would die. But often the victim was only sawn up to the stomach and left to die, which could potentially take several days. So anything that you can to the stomach, like from the crotch. Yeah, they're hung upside down and they're sawn from the crotch up (laughs) to the stomach. (laughs) That one got Amanda. Keep up. (laughs) Mine, mine was the blood eagle, and this one is hers. Well, blood eagle was like the second one, and this is the last one. The last one. Thank fucking God. Today Jesus. in the U.S., the most common methods method of execution of prisoners is lethal injection. But as we have found out, it's quite expensive. So a lot of states have alternatives. It's expensive. And it also there can be like shortages in like acquiring the chemicals for. Right, and there are like injection. three different chemicals that are needed to do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So there are a lot of reasons why they couldn't get that specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, affirmative cocktail. murder just just did an episode, and I'm terrible. I can't remember exactly the details, but it was like basically somebody's execution was rushed because they were uh, they were anticipating this shortage mm-hmm. in material required to to do the lethal injection, and mm-hmm. then I think they were like exonerated after the fact. Mm-hmm. Oh Jesus! Christ. I think a lot mm. of, or at least a few years ago, like a lot of the chemicals came from some company in the EU and then the EU like banned the export of those chemicals for use in executions mm-hmm. cuz they have multiple uses and then like the US couldn't get mm-hmm. its much needed supplies of death juice my god oh, yeah death juice yeah yeah, mm-hmm. I meant to go into what it what the lethal injection is and I forgot. I'm sure we will have another episode that's about the death penalty and you can more deeply dive into like the modern death penalty Mm -hmm. i like the historic death penalties let's go back (laughs) um so a handful of states today use electrocution three states allow lethal gas 
and a fucking are coming. A fucking firing squad can be used in Oklahoma and Utah. And I honestly, a firing squad, I feel like, would be fast at least. Yeah, but you're you're not taking into it's the cheapest for the state. It's the cheapest, but you're not taking into account like the the people that have to do it. Oh yeah, no, it's all fucking awful. Yeah, all of it. Mm -hmm. I bet I could ride my bike around my neighborhood and find five people who would be willing to do that to shoot you. To shoot someone. To, to shoot you specifically. To, to be part of a firing squad. Yeah, I'm sure that there are plenty of people that are like chomping at the bit mm-hmm. to yeah. kill people, but I don't know. I feel that like would quickly even them- descend into like the purge. Mm-hmm. Right. But also, hanging is apparently still a thing in Delaware, New Hampshire, and Washington. I wow. bet those are just like old laws that are still in the books that they don't actually use. I honestly think that prisoners who are sentenced to death can opt for what method they want. Because the the lethal injection, there were some like medical reasons why that wouldn't work. For some Ditto people. for electrocution. So hmm. I don't fucking know. Well, we will get to electrocution in my case. And Yay! my case has electrocution too. We did not cover the same thing. Oh, wow. shocking. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Oh. That's so tasteless. Okay. <laughs> That's my <All> segment. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> we give up. <laughs> okay. Let's hear uh, it. Sponsor break? Yeah. Let's cleanse the palate. (laughs) It's 2021 and nobody has time for uncomfortable shoes. Okay. Our like our expectations of comfort have changed in the past year. Oh, my standard for comfort is. It's so much higher. Oh, yeah. It's so much higher now. And that is where Rothy's comes in. Rothy's surveyed thousands of customers and the number one word used to describe their shoes is comfy. So you're probably wondering what makes Rothy's so good. And the truth is, it's their unique seamless design. It is so comfortable the moment you put them on. Seriously, no break-in period. I'm telling you, I always get blisters. Not with these shoes, baby. Mm-hmm. And their styles are sustainably made with materials like plastic water bottles. They are fully machine washable, so your stinky feet are no longer a problem. And they are available in tons of shapes, styles, and colors, so you can always find the right one for you. I've got sandals. I've got boots. I've got purses. I've got masks. I've got flats. I've got points. I got everything. The loafer. The sneaker. The loafer. Oh, my uh, God. I get compliments on my Rothy's every single time I wear them. That is not mm-hmm. an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. And I don't even really like shoes at all. I love being barefoot. If, I, if I'm, if i like, at somewhere with shoes, mm-hmm. I'll, like take them off and sit cross-legged. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I have a weird thing about shoes. But Rothy's, oh my lord. I can keep them on, even if my feet are kind of sweaty, because like Amanda said, just chuck them in the washing machine. Mm-hmm. It's no so harm, wild. no foul. No! Who, what, where says, quote, celebrities are far from immune from the draw of Rothy's wildly popular shoes. No mm. one's immune. No one. No one. Pop Sugar named Rothy's one of the most comfortable and cute flats you will never tire of wearing. And they have so many cute styles and patterns. Every time I go to their website, I find something that I just, I just need. I bought For a real. saddlebag recently. and It's I, so cute. It's so cute. It's like the purse that I've always been looking for and mm-hmm. never found until Rothy's came along. What I got gift. my summer sandals just a couple weeks ago. Your they are n- my John new favorite. Sandals. Mm. 
So who better to tell you about how comfortable Rossi's are than real customers? Lisa L. says, these shoes are like walking on clouds. And Julie A. says, there's no break-in period, no blisters, just pure comfort. So That's right, Julie A. Yeah, Julie A. Preach. No wonder Rossi's best-selling shoe, which is The Point in Black, has over 5,000 near-perfect reviews. That is Kenyon's go-to. It is, and that should tell you something. Because mm-hmm. with that girl's back, come on. <laughs> so upgrade your closet with washable, sustainable, stylish shoes and bags from Rothy's. Plus, they just launched men's shoes. So make sure to check them out for you or the guy in your life or the anyone in your life. Head to rothys.com slash gals to find your new favorites today. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash gals and treat your feet. Treat them. MeUndies believes that when we feel comfortable being our most authentic selves, we show our true colors and we can proudly celebrate one another. That's why they're partnering with the Los Angeles LGBT Center. Love. Love it. MeUndies mm-hmm. has made a donation to the center that will provide tents, sleeping bags, hygiene products, and other essentials for the housing insecure youth. It will also help the center provide 22,500 hot meals for housing insecure youth and more. Oh, my God. They, they, not only is their underwear the most comfortable mm-hmm. thing in the world, but they're actually actively making a difference in our communities. Yes, they're giving back to the LGBTQIA plus community. I love that. Love it. And when Lucy says their underwear is the most comfortable in the world, I cannot emphasize this enough. I have destroyed all of my other underwear. It's all gone. They're gone. Out. Bye. I can't wear it. I cannot wear it. The other day I found a pair that were super cute that were in like the back of my my underwear shelf that I was like, oh, these are cute. I'm going to, you know, maybe switch it up where I put them on for two seconds. No. They were, immediately I was like, no, I can't. No. I Life's too short. Life is too short. And they have the cutest stuff so that you and your partner can match like me and my partner do. It's like our favorite thing. MeUndies are made for self-expression and designed for you to feel comfortable in your own skin. They offer different cuts for different butts, ranging from sizes extra small to 4XL. And whether you're looking for classic colors or bold and adventurous prints, MeUndies has you covered so you can celebrate you and your most authentic self. Yeah, celebrate your most authentic self. Mm-hmm. MeUndies has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you know who you are. You get 15% off and free shipping. MeUndies uh. also has their problem-free philosophy, Hakuna Matata. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, they will refund or exchange it. No caveats, no questions, only buts, but the good kind with two T's. So to get your 15% off your first order and free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash gals. That's MeUndies.com slash gals. Celebrate your authentic self and treat your butts. Treat them. Are we ready for my case? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, uh, like I said, I'm completely desensitized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hit me with it. <laughs> oh, God. Flay me. Quarter oh. me. Okay. Quarter oh. me. Much more recent case. Oh, good. We're in the 70s. So It was the 60s. Early in the morning of February 20th, 1976, 29-year-old... <gasps> the Bicentennial. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Gasp. <gasps> the what? The Bicentennial. 
<laughs> it was the year my mom graduated yep. high school. Oh my god! They all were made to wear either red, white, or blue robes, and then their graduation ceremony, they took like an aerial photo and they made up the fucking American flag. Holy fucking shit! That's <laughs> a lot. So tacky. I'll show it to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so 29-year-old Jesse Tefero was asleep in the passenger seat of a green Camaro. Oh. Ah, I see what you did there. That actually happened. Parked at a rest stop on Interstate 95 near Deerfield Beach, Florida. So they're, they're in the car parked at a rest stop. Sure, okay. The driver of the car was a friend of Jesse's, a 25-year-old exterminator named Walter Rhodes. Jesse is in the passenger seat. Walter's in the driver's seat. Okay. Jesse had become friends with Rhodes during a prison stint several years earlier. So they both had been in the slammer, became buddies. Now they're both out, and they're at this fucking rest stop. Got it. To Pharaoh's 28-year-old wife, Sonia Jacobs, who went by Sonny, mm-hmm. and their 10-month-old daughter, Christina, and her 9-year-old son, Eric, from a previous marriage were also in the car in the back seat back seat. Rhodes had agreed to give Jesse, his wife Sunny, and the kids a ride from Miami to West Palm Beach after their own car had been having engine trouble and they the, the family had planned once they got to West Palm Beach to wire Sunny's parents for money for bus fare and then go up to North Carolina where her parents were to live with them for a while. So they're like a youngish family. Jesse's been in prison. They don't have a lot of money. They're mm-hmm. getting a ride from a friend yeah. going going to stay with the grandparents. They're making it work. They're making it work. All five of them were asleep at, in the car parked at the rest stop when the car was approached during a routine check oh, Jesus. by a Florida Highway Patrol officer named Philip Black and a friend of his who was just visiting. He was just there for the day on like a ride along. And the friend was a Canadian constable named Donald Irwin. So the guy was also in law enforcement, but like in Canada, no right to practice law enforcement in the U.S. was like strictly there as a civilian. That's fucked. That's already fucked. So obviously fucking Philip Black is like showing off. Yeah. To like inspect a car at a rest stop that everyone is peaceably sleeping inside. Yeah, Yeah. Just chilling. Minding their own fucking business. Mm-hmm. With children in the car, a, a fucking 10-month-old and a 9-year-old. Mm-hmm. Also, I should just say that like, everyone in this case is white. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that that is like either here nor there, but like just so you're aware. Right. When the officers peered through the car's windows, they saw a gun on the floor. Or so they claimed. Well, mm-hmm. they saw a gun on the floor. It would later be discovered that the gun was legally registered to Sunny, the wife, but that it was common practice for her to purchase guns for her husband, Jesse, who was still on parole for attempted robbery and crimes against nature, meaning mm-hmm. attempted rape, which is what he had served time for. And his conviction prevented him from obtaining a firearm license himself, so she would buy the guns that he would use. Erwin mm-hmm. and Black, so Erwin, the Canadian guest and Black, mm-hmm. the U.S. officer, woke the sleeping passengers by tapping on the windows and ordered Walter Rhodes, the driver, and Jesse Tefero, the passenger, to step out of the car. They complied while Sonny remained in the back seat with the kids. Tefero got into an argument with Officer Black 
when he removed Sonny's purse from the car and began rummaging through it, discovering small amounts of marijuana and cocaine. Okay. Like personal use amounts. Mm-hmm. But Jesse is obviously on parole, mm-hmm. so that's not good. Teferro demanded that Officer Black stop searching their possessions without a warrant because they hadn't committed any crime. Right. No. Like, Sonny was legally allowed to have that gun. Mm-hmm. Whatever. They didn't have a right to search their car. Whatever. They weren't speeding. No traffic violation. Nothing. Then that dispute turned physical with Black and Teferro exchanging punches. So he's... He, he gets into like a literal fist fight with the officer searching his wife's purse without permission. Erwin, mm. the Canadian, pulled Teferro off of Officer Black and restrained him against the hood of the car. Okay. And Black pulled out his service weapon and demanded that everyone remain still. Okay. What exactly happened next would later become a topic of intense dispute for years. Okay. According to Walter Rhodes' testimony, so the driver. Sure. Who also had been in prison. So he gives a testimony later on while he's cooperating with law enforcement. And according to that testimony, he says that Teferro broke free of this hold, grabbed the gun, grabbed his wife's gun that had been on the floor of the car, and shot and killed Black and Irwin, and then ushered the others into the now empty police cruiser and fled the scene. Now, how this guy would be able to get out of a hold on the hood of a car with a gun to him and Mm -hmm. be able to then get into the car and grab a gun and then turn it on the officer? Yeah, that's a stretch. Yeah, especially when there are two officers Mm -hmm. like actively preventing him from doing that. Mm -hmm. But that is what the driver guy said happened. Okay. According to Teferro... It was Rhodes, the driver, who shot and killed the two officers and then handed the gun to Teferro so that he could drive away from the scene. So he said that while he was being restrained on the hood of the car, Walter Rhodes, the driver, had had the gun that was in the car and he shot the two officers. Gotta say that makes way more sense. Mm -hmm. Hmm? Sure does. Regardless, whatever happened, the two men fled in the police car. I don't know why you would flee in the police car, but okay. So it was Rhodes who shot and killed the two officers and then handed the gun to Teferro. They fled in the police car with Sonny and the kids in tow. So they were literally like, Sonny and the kids, like, get in. We're getting out of here. Mm -hmm. They later disposed of this car and then kidnapped a 66-year-old resident of a retirement community at gunpoint and continued fleeing in his orange Cadillac. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Well, to be fair, I don't think there was such a thing as an inconspicuous car in 1976. Orange orange probably blended in. It was like, I don't know, everything, everything is orange orange. and brown. What do you want me to do? Literally everything. Like avocado green. (laughs) There's not a single thing that isn't earth-toned. Pretty much. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. So eventually they were detained after they attempted to crash through a police roadblock that was also being monitored by a helicopter. So like people were in hot pursuit. They had killed right. a cop. Like yeah. Two. Well, they had two. Yeah, one Canadian and one American. Mm-hmm. When they were arrested, Teferro was carrying the gun that had been used to kill Irwin and Black in his waistband. So okay. that was pretty damning. However, 
When Jesse Tefero, Walter Rhodes, and Sonny Jacobs were examined for gunshot residue, it was determined that the residue found on Rhodes, the driver, mm-hmm. was consistent with, quote, having discharged a weapon, whereas residue on Tefero was consistent only with handling an unclean or recently discharged weapon. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Because that powder gets all, all on your arms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or possibly discharging a weapon. But not, like, certainly. Right. Whereas on roads, it was, like, much more gun shot residue. Okay. So we can, it's like, we know they shot a gun. Yeah. Okay. And the residue on Sonny Jacobs, the wife, was consistent with having handled an unclean or recently discharged weapon. So probably at some point she was handed the gun to hold. Got it. Okay. Despite this evidence, Rose was able to enter into a plea agreement in which he would only be charged with second-degree murder in exchange for testifying against Jesse and Sonny, mm-hmm. who would be tried separately for the murders of the two officers. So it was literally... It was a deal. It was a, it was a plea deal, and he, he got the deal first. Yeah. Basically. Sucks. At their trials, Rhodes claimed that Sonny... The wife had been the first person to begin firing at the officers, shooting the gun from the backseat of the car. Okay. And and that Jesse had taken the gun from her and then shot Black and Irwin. So she had just like supposedly fired shots that missed. And then he grabbed the gun from her and shot them both dead. Well, while Rhodes just looked on. Right. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That definitely happened. Largely on the basis of this testimony, Tefero and Jacobs were both convicted and sentenced to death for the murders of the two men. Cool. However, the convictions almost immediately became controversial for numerous reasons. For one, the prosecution's case had largely, if not completely, rested on Walter Rhodes' testimony, and there was an obvious incentive for him to lie as he had been offered a plea deal by the state that avoid that allowed him to avoid the death penalty. Mm-hmm. The prosecution defended their use of Rhodes as a witness by claiming that he had passed a polygraph test, which we know is yeah, they're, those are yeah, super super reliable. But they refused to turn over the results of said polygraph test to the mm-hmm. defense. So they were like, "Just take our word for it. He passed. Yeah, he passed." Mm-hmm. Okay, that's super Lawyers, sus. it turns out, are under no obligation to be honest. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like... Yep. Oh, my God. If there's no proof, how was that even considered? Well, when the records of Rhodes's polygraph test were finally released after the trial was over, mm-hmm. the methodology of the test was described by multiple experts as a sham. Oh, great. <laughs> Making matters worse for Jesse Tefero, his court-appointed defense lawyer, a man named Robert McCain, did not call or question any witnesses on Mm -hmm. his behalf. Mm -hmm. That happens in my case, too. Yep. The defense attorney was just like, court-appointed, didn't give a shit, didn't call Mm -hmm. anybody. He was dealing with, like, an ex-felon, so he just was like, fucking whatever. Yeah, nothing I say is going to matter anyway, so mm-hmm. may as well just phone it in. Wow. Bye. It's not my life. What do I fucking care? Really mm-hmm. fucking sad. This was despite the fact that two truckers who had been at the rest stop at the time of the shooting described seeing a man who matched to Pharaoh's description 
restrained against the car when the shots were fired. So there are literal witnesses mm-hmm. against this bogus theory that this person is only using to get a plea deal. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. And a plea deal that like, yeah, it's just ugh, people, someone's going to be putting put to death fucking anyway. Mm-hmm. This is ugh. really really unfortunate. So soon after Tafaro's trial, McCain, his lawyer, was disbarred after oh, he was both convicted of obstruction of justice for bribing a witness in a different case. Cool. And discovered to have been involved in a narcotics conspiracy. Awesome. So his his court-appointed lawyer who did He's nothing to help him was a fucking criminal mm. and disbarred. Oh, that alone should God. be should Yeah, you be, should get a new trial immediately. Yeah. 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 Especially in a death penalty case. Uh-huh. Where someone's yeah. literal fucking life hangs in the balance. Uh-huh. What a piece of shit. Perhaps. Off to a great start. Perhaps most egregiously. Oh, it gets more egregious. Uh-huh. Good, 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 good. good the good. judge at Tefero's trial, a man named Daniel Futch. Okay. Oh, yeah. What the fudge? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, but go to the social security office and change your mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Change yeah. it. Some, some names shouldn't endure. If your last name is Futch... <laughs> Fudging, stop it. <laughs> Can you fudging not? Can you fudging put us out of our fudging misery? You're poor fudging kids. <laughs> My God. Think Imagine the, the bullying. Children. Think of the fudging children. I love a good built in fudge, though. Uh, <laughs> really adds character. <laughs> as long as you have pine salt. Duh. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so Daniel Fudge, the judge who convicted this man to death, was a former highway patrolman mm-hmm. who, yep, had, so who had fucking... retired from the force only three years prior. Yeah, so it's still very fresh, and he's very upset that there are dead cops. Dead highway patrol cops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he often wore his police hat to work as a judge. Yep. Oh, I have a I have a judge in my case who mm-hmm. is at, yep. Yep. Why I just these people this, stopped? Yeah, how is this a lot? I mean, you're supposed your whole the whole point, I'm losing my mind. The <laughs> whole point is that you're at least supposed to pretend to be impartial. Right? Yeah. At least you're just, put up a good front. Don't of come impartiality. in costume. <laughs> yeah. I I just he wore okay. a white hood as his during yeah. his time as a judge. Yeah. I'm Can a you imagine oh a female judge tried to pull any of this shit? I mean, also? I can't imagine a female judge. <laughs> so. So okay. no. There's the audacity more. of that judge. Oh. There's more. So this judge, Ugh. Futch. Fucking Futch. <laughs> God. Also had earned the nickname Maximum Dan for his notoriously harsh sentencing. Listen. And he kept a miniature model of an electric chair on his desk. What a fucking psychopath. Like that in chambers? Psychopathic. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my God. There's a photo of this man on the drive. You guys, I thought the judge in my case was the biggest piece of shit in the world. Nope. 
Yeah. You win. Yeah. Fudge. Ew, fudge. He looks like a motherfucker. Yeah, a mother motherfucker. <laughs> what a piece of fudge. We make what a piece of fudge. <laughs> we make our living from a true crime podcast, yep. and we don't fetishize death. I see like the little chair. Man. You can see the little chair on his desk. Yeah. I don't. I'm looking at it, and I don't even want to look at yeah. it. He is. He also has a yeah. small fish tank. What is that? It's sea monkeys, I think. Keeping people in fucking cages. I think it's sea monkeys. It was the 70s. That he's was a got big thing. Sea monkeys and a tiny electric chair. The man looks uh-huh. like he's melting, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. Sir, get an air conditioner. Look at his tiny mouth. Not that I, I have him. room to talk, but. <laughs> anyway, so that's Futch. I knew you guys would love him. Ew. I, thank you. <laughs> So, for his involvement in the murders, after his plea deal, Walter Rhodes was given three life sentences. I don't know if they were consecutive or concurrent, but he was he avoided the death penalty for second okay. degree murder. Yeah, well, well did, they they kill a cop? The, did they both have the same judge? Yes, I think oh, so. Okay. But then, starting less than a year after his conviction, after Rhodes's conviction. He began attempting to recant his testimonies against Tefaro and Jacobs. Yeah, because it was bullshit mm-hmm. to save his own life. Claiming that he had actually been the one to kill Black and Irwin. Ugh. Complicating matters, Rhodes's version of events was slightly different each time he made an attempt to confess. Oh dear. And then he would later recant these new statements and claim to stand by his original one. So he flip-flopped a lot. Sir, you're yeah. not helping anyone here. Yeah, it's bad. Ugh. But each time he attempted to claim responsibility for the shootings, he made dedicated efforts to communicate the information, signing sworn affidavits and writing letters to the state attorney's office. So, like, he would get in these phases of, like, trying to, like, really confess. Right. And, like, go through the rigmarole legally. And then it would get derailed. Yeah. In a 1979 affidavit, which began, quote, in the interest of justice and to purge myself before my creator, Rhodes went on to explain how he had concealed the gun beneath his shirt when he first exited the Camaro and shot both Black and Irwin while they were restraining Jesse on the hood of the car, which matches the witness testimony. And Which also makes also the forensics sense. of the yeah of yeah. like the the gunpowder and stuff also and tracks just like with that version of events space and time yeah physics right. the way that things transpire that makes a thousand percent more sense than yeah. any of the other shit we heard yeah. like how is the wife supposed to have from the back seat grabbed the gun that the officer saw on the floor of the passenger seat. In the front of the car. She's not, is how. She's not. It didn't happen that way. Right. But now this guy has also, by flip-flopping around so much, made himself completely uncredible. So this is not, she's fucked. They're both fucked. Yeah. Well, it's unfortunate because, like, I feel like he's, he has recited this, his original version of events, the lie, so many times that he's probably doubting his own memories, like the truth. Sure. So... I'm not surprised that his 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 uh new like his confessions are or law varying. enforcement gets him in a room. You know they mm-hmm. see everything he and fucking says Brendan and does out him. of out of prison, and they mm-hmm. get him in a room, and they're like, "Really, really, you want to fuck up this case?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they don't want to drag the no. other guy out of. They don't want to admit they're wrong. Nope. 
So for their part, Sonny and Jesse always maintained their innocence. Sonny claimed that all she had done was attempt to shield her two children from the shooting Ugh. in the back seat. And the only reason she had fled in the police car was that she was terrified of Rhodes mm-hmm. because she had just seen him grab a kill gun two and cops. shoot two, kill two cops. Yeah, you're going to what, argue with that fucking guy who just murdered two people in front of you? Mm-hmm. No, and not she, with your children there. And she felt she was being taken hostage. She was also Ugh. woken up. Like, they're being woken up from a nap. Yeah, so she has no fucking clue what's going on. As Sunny was the only woman in Florida on death row, there was no established protocol for where to put her. So, like, in prison. Oh, my God. So she was just kept in solitary confinement. Almost all of the time. Got it. Yeah, that's great. She should have gotten her own private women's prison. Right. Well, she did, but it was a cell. I right. know. And but she like, was. She, she has was, a whole wing. <laughs> she was given limited access to to like even showers or reading material. Oh so my just god! Like she didn't do anything wrong. Super solitary confined, like nothing in the cell. Ugh. And I think she got, like, one hour a day for, like, exercise outside of her cell, and, like, that's it. And oh she God. did develop, like, a, a very strong yoga practice, mm-hmm. and that is what, like, kept her relatively sane. Yeah. <gasps> she eventually sued for equal treatment as she was accorded fewer rights than men on death row, so that mm-hmm. was her angle, and she won her case. So she basically was like, look, like, this if is I'm going gender down. discrimination, yeah. essentially. In 1981, the Florida Supreme Court commuted her death sentence to two life terms for murder and kidnapping. Okay. A year later, though, in another fucking tragic twist, oh, no. Sonny's parents, who had taken custody of her two kids, were killed in a plane crash. No. What the fuck? And she lost contact with her children when they went into the foster care system. Oh, oh my God. God. This poor She didn't woman. even do anything. She shouldn't even fucking be there. And she lost oh. her kids and her Well, she's lost husband. everything. She's well, lost everything. Her husband is on death row. She is on death row in solitary. Her, her parents, parents are, are, dead. are dead. Her children are yep. gone. And her children are, are gone and in the foster care system. And she has no foreseeable future. And she's our age. Ugh. No, she's younger. Wasn't she well, like 28? When this at, all started. At, yeah. But at this but point. But at this point, yeah. Oh, my God. So in a 1982 sworn statement, Rhodes tried once again to confess, declaring, quote, I put two people on death row for something they didn't do that I did. Mm-hmm. But years passed, and Jesse Tafaro remained on death row and Sonny in prison. Finally, Tafaro's execution by electric chair was scheduled for May of 1990. Just want to put this in perspective that, like, this was within our lifetimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, this is not ancient history. This isn't no. fucking medieval. This right. happened while we were alive. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're forming memories. Mm-hmm. By this point, Jesse and Sonny, who were, they, you know, were the married couple, they stayed together through all this time while they were each in prison. They had written letters to each other nearly every day for 14 years. Oh, oh my, my God. God. The execution of Jesse Tafaro was already controversial due to the many uncertainties in the case, but the execution itself would make the case 
a flashpoint. Literally. Jesus Uh-oh. Christ. And you called my joke tacky. Yeah. In the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did and, that. <laughs> I did. And then I did the same thing. In the ongoing debate over the death penalty. Mm-hmm. I can't, like, this is so bad, you guys. It's so bad. Okay. During the execution, the chair that he was executed in, which was old Sparky, like it was the old Sparky. I feel oh, like no. so many are called old Sparky. Where was this? Florida in the 70s. They called uh, they called uh, the chair, in my case, old Sparky in Georgia in like 1900. Oh, so they're like old Sparky. I think it's really muddled, like where the first old Sparky was, because okay. I think they're like. A lot of them are referred to as Old Sparky. Well, okay. This says, oh, got it. Old Sparky is the nickname of the electric chairs in Arkansas, Connecticut, Florida, Georgia, Illinois, Kentucky, Nebraska, New York, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia. Got it. Yeah. Old Smokey was the nickname of the chairs in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Tennessee. That's clever. I mean, it's disgusting, but it's clever. Oh, I guess. Okay. Credit where credit is due as I vomit. <laughs> so, Ugh. all right, one of the old Sparkies, but this one was pretty fucking epic, so we mm-hmm. will get to it. It malfunctioned. It like I feel Ugh. like this fucking happens all the time. Like uh-huh. the electric chair is electric chair is so unreliable and inconsistent. It is just it's a means of torture until death. Mm-hmm. It's not just a means of death. Mm-hmm. It is a torture device mm-hmm. sanctioned by the fucking it state. It is just as bad as any of the medieval shit that we talked mm-hmm. about. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is completely on the same level, same same mm-hmm. bar. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just saw a head in your notes. Ugh. Mm. Trigger okay. warning. Ugh. Yeah. So spectators at the execution would describe seeing Six-inch flames shooting out of Tefero's head. Oh, Ugh. my God. During the process. Like the top or just everywhere? I don't know. Probably his ears. Ugh. Yep. Jesus Christ. It would take 13 and a half minutes. Nope. No. And three separate jolts of electricity to finally pronounce him dead. Mm-hmm. 13 and a half minutes is, like, pushing too long for sex. I don't want to die that long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, mm, Mm -hmm. mm -mm, mm -mm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I don't go into detail on any of that in my case, but Mm -hmm. it took, like, six uh, shocks in my case. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure it had to have been a long and excruciating Mm -hmm. death. Mm -hmm. His execution... Described by one source as, quote, one of the most gruesome in U.S. history was immediately taken up by capital punishment opponents as an example of how the death penalty violated the right to freedom from cruel and unusual punishment. If this is not cruel and unusual punishment. What the fuck is? What the fuck is? And he was innocent. Yeah. Yeah. And even if he wasn't, like. It's still not. Like, I'm not not, like, like, this guy is innocent of the murder of these two people. Like, he also was like a convicted rapist and like, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Like, he probably wasn't like the best dude. I wouldn't want to date him. You could be a piece of shit and not be put to death in agonizing 13 minutes of literal fiery hell. Yeah. Both of those things can exist. Right. Right. I'd rather be crushed by an elephant, personally. Honestly, same. 
I would be a lot do faster. That. I wouldn't want to do that to the elephants because elephants are like so beautiful and sweet and like yes, they can be like dangerous, but like really you don't want to use them to like kill things. Like they are gonna know that they're killing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, it was a elephants. method. It was a method a long ago, right? Mm-hmm. And preferential. She's not saying this. bring it back. She's right. saying she'd take it over right. what this man went through. Right. Everyone no. knows what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I know. Okay. Pro so- death penalty. <laughs> Seventh grade debate. Anti. I feel like Lucy. I'm being clear. <laughs> Lucy oh hates elephants. And bulls. I know you're being clear. We've just learned that we can never be too clear. Yeah, yes. People hear what they want to hear. Someone's always going to hear it differently. People really hear what they want to hear. And, like, if you want to email us because you're pissed at something we said, fine. Fair enough. Allow. Welcome. All I ask is that you re-listen at least twice because we definitely never said that oh. what's his face is problematic from oh, yeah. Schitt's Creek yeah no Daniel <laughs> Levy Daniel Levy from Schitt's Creek I was saying he's the one man who is not problematic Correct. As and then if he turns on us we're like gonna be devastated you got no. so many tweets and, and so many tweets that were like what did Daniel Levy do that's problematic? It's like, we Liter- never said that. Literally nothing, probably. <laughs> I don't know, but, like, that's not what I said. So all just, like, just, just give us the benefit of the doubt and also just, like, re-listen because, like, nine times out of ten, we didn't say what you heard. We're also very sarcastic. Yeah. You don't even have to give us the benefit of the doubt. I don't care if you do or not. Yeah. Amanda yeah, answers fuck- those emails anyway. Yeah, we fuck up all the time. <laughs> we do fuck up. It's legit. If you re-listen and we did say what you thought we said and it was fucked up, let us know. Oh, yeah. Fine. Oh, yeah. But we but probably Daniel didn't. Levy Back to this problem. horrific execution. Okay. <laughs> so anyway. Back to Lucy being pro-death penalty. Yeah, Lucy and, an, and, an, and anti-elephant. Anti-animals in general. Uh, Lucy just uh, hates animals. All of them, except cats. <laughs> the only good animal is a dead one. Oh, oh my God. Surrounded by them. anyway back to this horrific death so this is a reporter who attended the execution a quote the Teferro execution is still playing tricks on my mind my first night home after the event I was startled when my refrigerator began to hum oh god he has PTSD from this literally yes the sound was not unlike that of the prison generator supplying juice to old Sparky. Uh. Two days later, I had another dream. I was on death row, but at the last moment, my sentence was commuted to life. Instead, another reporter was zapped, and I was appalled when his body was stored temporarily in my closet. Oh, my God. It's li- like He's literally describing PTSD. Yes. PTSD dreams. What a relief to awaken and realize these death dreams aren't real. But for more than 300 people on Florida's death row, they are mm-hmm. the horror. No. Oh. Not everyone agreed. A lot of pro-death penalty folks wrote into the newspaper. One letter to the editor published by the Tallahassee Democrat read in part, quote, Do I care if Jesse Teferro suffered? Not a bit. If you want to see capital punishment works, just let those who kill know they will be executed and that, yes, it will probably hurt. 
The laws of Florida say execute murderers. So let's get with it. <gasps> That's so callous. Yeah, and also there are so many statistics that and studies can, that show concisely that it, prove that the fact that we have the death penalty does not, not deter crime. Mm-mm. No, lots of places that don't have the death penalty have a lot lower crime rates mm-hmm. than we do. Uh-huh. And actually, states with the death penalty have some of the highest crime rates. Mm-hmm. Okay. Although Tefero's death did not lead to the abolition of the death penalty as many hoped it would, it did cause several states to cease using the electric chair in favor of lethal injection, which has its own fucking issues, mm-hmm. as the standard method of capital punishment. And, like, lethal injection can also be a form of torture and can oh, malfunction it, it, and fuck yeah, up. Yeah, especially when they don't have all of the proper necessary steps. You can feel everything while you're basically paralyzed, but you're not, like numb Mm -hmm. it's just it's barbaric all Mm -hmm. of it the Mm -hmm. potential for it to go wrong it's not like we take more care putting down a pet yep to make sure they are comfortable and that it is quick and painless we do not take that kind of care with human beings nope we just don't Mm -mm. in the years after Tefero's death Sonny Jacobs and Walter Rhodes were both released from prison Rhodes was released for good behavior in 1994, so four years after Jesse's murder, execution. Mm -hmm. But he was sentenced to, what, two or three life sentences? Uh Uh-huh. They're just like, yeah, you've behaved. Run along. Yeah, he served less than 20 years. After he admitted several times or tried to that he was his. And that it's his fault that now another person is dead. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. Great. All of this makes so much sense. It is totally justice. Thank you. Sunny's conviction was eventually overturned on appeal, and she was released in 1992. She reunited with her children eventually and began working as a yoga teacher. The interest that she had developed in prison. Mm-hmm. In 2011, she married an Irish man named Peter Pringle. Oh, my God. <laughs> Heir I to the Pringles named fortune. Peter Pringle once. What? A bird. Was he named after this Irish man who had previously been on death row for murdering a police officer before being exonerated and released? I wonder what these two had in common. Wait. No, it was just Peter a bird. Peter Pringle that ke- wasn't. It was yes. just a bird that kept diving oh. for my Pringles, so we named him Peter Wait, Pringle. So Peter was also yes. a death row inmate? Yes. Oh, I and missed then- that. I was t- I was focused on the bird. Yeah. She married a guy who in Ireland had been on de- or was Irish. I don't know where he was on death row, but it was on death row for murdering a police officer before being exonerated and released. She had a type. Wow. Well, they probably <laughs> met in some sort of support group, yeah, I'd yeah. imagine. My yeah. God. That's fucking wild. Was he a bird? <laughs> he was bird-like. Mm. Okay. Together they Works found him. The Sunny Center, which focuses on providing emotional and spiritual support to people wrongfully convicted of crimes. Sunny continues to maintain that Jesse Tefero was wrongfully executed and she has been a dedicated advocate of abolishing the death penalty since her release. Wow. Yeah. What a fucking tragedy. And that is my case. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. I can't believe those two were released and Jesse had such a horrific execution. Mm -hmm. And then four years later, two years later, she gets out and they were tried on the exact same evidence. And four years later, Rhodes is out and he fucking confessed. Meanwhile, Jesse and Sonny had maintained their innocence throughout. 
That is unfucking believable. It's I so am... fucked up. Oh god. That's why I don't fully understand the separate trials thing. Because you can get such wildly different outcomes. Yeah. With the same evidence. I don't know. I mean, that's tough because yes, that's absolutely true. But, but it like can each also, person needs their day in court. They do, and it can you know combined yeah. trials can also right. work to put somebody up as a scapegoat or right. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's there's so much that's wrong with our justice system. It's like, where do we even fucking begin? Yeah, really? It's just. (sighs) Yeah, (laughs) this is it. You know how there's that podcast called And That's Why We Drink. Uh (laughs) This is why I drink. Mm -hmm. We -hmm. found it. Mm -hmm. I made a big mistake not drinking during this episode. (laughs) Well, we have all weekend together. Yeah. That's what's getting me through this. Well, should we take a quick break before we continue on down the road of devastation and tragedy? Yeah. Yeah. Huzzah! The Trials of Frank Carson, a new LA Times true crime podcast from the reporter behind Dirty John and Detective Trap, two of my favorite shows. Mm -hmm. A defense attorney in Stanislaus County, Frank Carson was famously known for his caustic behavior towards authority as he relentlessly fought against a system he felt was broken. Preach. But everything changed when he became rapidly entangled in a mess of a murder and one that named him the prime suspect. In Turlock, California, a known small-time thief named Corey Kaufman is murdered and the authorities accuse Frank Carson of orchestrating a complex plot to kill him. They They portrayed Frank Carson as a lawyer who was capable of manipulating the law for his own brand of vigilante justice. You know, you gotta love vigilante justice. You got to. If only for, like, the entertainment factor. Mm Mm-hmm. Frank Carson claimed that he was being set up by the DA. It's juicy. Mm. And the police as payback for thumbing his nose at them for years. You know what? I'd be a little suspicious, well. Uh, yeah. And as this podcast is telling us, real life is more insane than fiction. Always. Always. It's mm-hmm. so entertaining. It really makes you think. Mm-hmm. It's just very engrossing. So this is the story behind one of the longest and most bizarre murder trials in U.S. history and one that will make you reevaluate what you think you know about our criminal justice system. Oh, I just got chills. Yeah. So listen and subscribe now to The Trials of Frank Carson on LATimes.com or listen and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, folks, you know what? I've talked about this before, and I'm going to keep talking about it. I cannot paint my nails on my right hand. I can't. You really can't. I really can't. I'm right-hand dominant, so my left hand looks floralless, and my right hand looks like a baby threw up on it. It's a mess. (laughs) It's not good, okay? But... I got the Olive and June Manny system, and now I know for a fact, because I've done it, that DIY Manny's can look salon perfect and last seven or more days. I know this to be possible. And people are always asking me what salon I go to, and I'm like, listen, sometimes I go to the salon, but guess what? This one was me. It was all me. And everyone was blown away, because they're like, but your right hand looks so good. I know. Ugh, this Olive and June Manny system, y'all. First of all, my favorite part about it is the poppy. It's this mm-hmm. little rubber handle that you just pop on the top of your of your nail polish brush. 
and it just helps you grip it, keeps your hands from shaking, it's kind of weighted. It just gives you that balance that you need so that you can paint your dominant hand mm-hmm. way more easily than yeah. without this poppy, the most beautiful invention of this century, I swear. It's brilliant. So the system is just five really easy steps. It comes with instructions. And it also gives you like little tips like, oh, it's always it's always my uh, inclination after I remove my old nail polish to go wash my hands. Mm. Don't do that. Mm. Turns out you're only hurting yourself, really. Mm. And I love to be able to do my nails at home and have them look salon perfect because... I'm not gonna. I, I'm not going to the salon every week. Let's be no, honest. It's and too once, expensive. And once they start chipping, you're just like, what do I it's do? It's over. Ugh, it's over. It's over. Mm-hmm. So you can do this at home. You can save money. Like this, the Manny system with six polishes breaks down to about two dollars a Manny. Amazing. Hi. It's like forty for a gel Manny at a salon. Ugh, that's so much. Shiny. It doesn't chip. It lasts for a week or longer. Mm. And you do it yourself. It's your little mm-hmm. self-care moment. You can feel really proud of yourself. And mm-hmm. now you can get 20% off your first Manny system with our code GALS, G-A-L-S. Yes, go do it. Your new nail life is here. Like Lucy said, get 20% off your first Manny system when you use promo code GALS, G-A-L-S, at oliveandjune.com because we are done with expensive and bad Mannies. This is the new us now. Okay, okay. Treat your nails. Trade them. It's time to get back to the beach. Yes, please. Oh, please, God. With America's favorite vacation company, Apple Vacations. Yum. Luck. Mm. Book (laughs) book your summer getaway with confidence and enjoy a one-stop vacation shop filled with exceptional values, personalized service, and so much more. You just feel so fancy with this one-stop shop yes yeah so many choices with popular destinations like mexico the caribbean central america hawaii and the continental united states there's a sun splashed option for everyone oh my god i cannot wait to get to the beach um seriously and each all-inclusive apple vacations package to your favorite resort includes round trip airfare hotel accommodations all meals, drinks, entertainment, and tips. Ugh. Not it's like it's like you said, it's all in one beautiful little package. Nonstop transfers are also included at no additional cost at select hotels. And for a limited time, you can take $75 off your stay at Iberostar Hotels and Resorts with promo code SUN75. So don't wait. Go to applevacations.com slash wine dash crime to get this steal of a deal one more time. That's applevacations.com slash wine dash crime and treat your travel. Treat up. Today, I'm going to be talking about the only woman to be executed by electric chair in the state of Georgia. Okay. And if you're wondering if racism came into play here, the answer is it sure did. (laughs) Yep. Obviously. Did you even need to ask? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it was hard not to find a case of wrongful execution that wasn't like a marginalized person of color. So I am actually kind of surprised that your case was white people, but. I am surprised, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That should just tell you a lot about the death penalty and the justice system in general, but Mm -hmm. that's another rant for another day. But fair warning, rage will ensue in this case as well. So Lena Barker was born on June 8th, 1900 in a community. Baker or Barker? 
Sorry, Baker. Yes, thank you for catching that. In a community called Cotton Hill, which is just outside of Cuthbert, Georgia, she was the only child of black sharecroppers, which I know we've discussed before, like the extreme physical labor of such a livelihood and how this practice was essentially a legal means for slavery after abolition. Is indentured servitude. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lena and her uh, siblings were immediately like as soon as they could walk around, basically. She, I thought she was the only child. No, she was. She's not an only child. She had a couple siblings. Oh, okay. So they were like immediately used as farm laborers. They picked cotton for measly quote unquote pay, which really wasn't pay. It was just like, you can live here and Mm -hmm. be fed. By the time she was 40, she had three children of her own and had been doing back breaking labor to get by, including working as a maid. She also had experience working as like a nurse. Mm -hmm. So it seemed that financial opportunity was knocking when she was offered a position as a nurse to a white man named Ernest Knight. Ernest had broken his hip and leg and needed live-in care. I believe he was either widowed or divorced. I, he had at least one son who also lived in the home, but I or may, may or may not have lived in the home. The son was sort of an adult. And so even if he was living in the home, he was likely taking care of like the farm that they he lived on. He was doing other shit. He needed right. care. And he's a dude, so he's not going to fucking like, yeah. be a caretaker for his parent right. at, in this time. Right. So uh, a woman named Leela Bond Phillips is a historian who has spent much of her career studying Lena Baker. And she said in an interview with NPR, quote, I think probably that was the best job she ever had. And it was probably a fairly decent job for her at the time. And I th- we think it developed into a sexual relationship with Ernest. with Ernest. So this was 1940s Georgia, but you did not have to reside in the South to experience racism and backlash over an interracial relationship. Right. No. She was threatened regularly by those in the town who knew about the relationship, which I also need to point out. I don't know if this relationship was consensual or not. Right. And I don't have the authority to make that call. But what I do know is that there is absolutely a power dynamic here yeah. that leaves Lena without any agency because right. she's a black woman working for a white man. Right. And whether or not the sexual encounters were consensual, Lena was abused in her position by a white man getting to have his cake and eat it too, while she took the brunt of the abuse over the interracial relationship. Like, the local sheriff had told her that she had to break it off with him or risk going to jail. Jesus. Ernest's son would physically beat her in an attempt to, quote, break up the relationship. That's not how that works. No. And even if it started as consenting sex, this very clearly became abusive and violent for Lena. And Ernest was not only participating in that abuse himself but he also was not doing a damn thing to protect her from yeah, all these I was gonna other say, people he wasn't he wasn't shielding her from not at all societal abuse or so even no. guilty. the abuse from his own son he's guilty right. either way and okay. he's also an abuser so and he's her employer yeah i'm sorry that that's a power dynamic oh yeah mm-hmm. oh it, it gets it, it gets a lot worse so He would lock Lena in the grist mill that he owned for days at a time. And I didn't know what a grist mill was. So I looked it up. Yes. Ernest did? Yes. Okay. So it's like, these are like those iconic looking old like stone houses on a creek. With like like the running water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then that like grinds down wheat and grain. Mm -hmm. I put a photo of it on the drive because I didn't know what the hell it was. It's a giant wheel attached to a house. And basically the water makes the wheel turn. And then while the wheel turns, it, it grinds the grain. Yep. Or slowly breaks your limbs if you're braided into right. it. 
or that. Lots mm-hmm. of wheels in this segment, in this mm-hmm. episode. Right. Wheel so, crimes. Oh, yeah. Let's just change it. We'll get to it. We'll, <laughs> we'll get to it. So she may have been, quote unquote, working for him, but she felt that he was, quote, treating her like a slave, which were her words. So April 29th, 1944, on one of the days that Ernest literally kidnapped her from her own house and locked her in the grist mill. And this was the best job she'd ever had. Correct. Just just to put that into context. Just to put this woman's existence into context. Mm -hmm. Ernest left her in there all day long in the 1944 Georgia heat and then returned that evening demanding that Lena have sex with him. She refused, and he attacked her. Some reports say he came after her with tools that were in the grist mill. Some said it was like a metal pipe. How is this man being so violent when he needs a fucking caregiver? I or mean, did I he, think like, at recover, this point, and then he yeah. just, like, kept her around because she Correct. was, like, his sex slave? Correct. It's, Great. That's exactly what happened. And, I mean, she's a black woman with three children. I don't know what, if she had a partner. I didn't see any report of her having a partner. So it's like, yeah, she needed the she money. She had to fucking work. Yeah, what is she going to do? Like I said, some reports say he like came after her with a metal pipe. Others say that he drew a pistol on her. Either way, he had a gun on his hip. On his broken hip. On his fucking broken hip. And he was known to like always carry it. Like he, he was just, he just always had a gun on him. So Lena, not wanting to literally die, went for the gun and the two had a kerfuffle over it. And in court, she explained that in the tussle, the gun went off and Ernest was hit, killing him. So it sounds to me that she didn't even want to shoot him. She just wanted to get the hell away from him. She just wanted to not die. Yeah. Yeah. So disarming him was the only viable option for her to do that. And in the process, he died. Sorry about it. Yeah. Maybe don't attack people that you've kept locked in a mill all day mm-hmm. while you're trying to rape them. Right. Don't trust a white man in Georgia with the last name Knight. Don't trust a white man. <laughs> you can leave it there. Don't <laughs> so trust she immediately, a man. Right. A man. She immediately reported this to the local coroner. Like she left the scene and immediately went to the local Report coroner it. and was like, this is what happened. And what fucking I was, bravery to even do that. Yeah, right? really. To not flee. I mean, it's unbelievable. She said this was an act of self-defense and maintained that, though she was charged with capital murder. So a man named John Cole Vadika, who is the director of a Georgia-based inmate advocacy program known as the Prison and Jail Project, said that Ernest had kept Lena as his, quote, virtual sex slave. She was his paramour. She was his mistress. And among other things, his drinking partner. If you read the transcript, like, of the of the court mm-hmm. and have any understanding of black-white relations, black women were often subjected to the sexual whims of their white masters, their white bosses, or some white man who had control over their lives or the lives of their families. Mm-hmm. Here is one who resisted and paid the price, end quote. So at trial, Lena was basically left to fend for herself by the entire justice system. Though she was appointed legal representation, not a single witness was called in her defense. Not to mention the fucking judge who presided over the trial was not exactly impartial. Mm -hmm. He was known as Judge William Two-Gun Worrell. Oh my God, we have Maximum Dan and and Two-Gun Worrell. Because he kept Jesus. two pistols on the bench in view of the entire court during trial. They're right? so similar. 
They'd yep. be BFFs. They would be. They're probably you know what they honestly allowed? they're probably related. Oh wow. It's fucking psychotic. And here's the thing. Fudge. Only oh. 30 years apart. Yeah. Like 1976 and 1944 sound like so wildly different. They're not. They're not. 1976 and 2021 sound so wildly different, but they're not. they're not. So the jury shacker was made up of only white men who lived in town and already disliked Lena because of the sexual relationship with Ernest and because she's Which a black woman. she was so in control of. Right, even though he was literally raping her and holding her captive. And Georgia at this time was still legally segregated and black folks could not even sit on juries. They were not allowed. So she could never have faced trial from a jury of her peers as like the justice system quote unquote intends. So, you know, that just makes this another situation that allows for the imprisonment of killing and killing of black people without a shred of hope for exoneration or justice. Mm -hmm. So the trial lasted one day And the jury deliberated for a whopping four hours before coming back with a guilty verdict. Judge Two Guns sentenced her to execution by electric chair, which was in keeping with the automatic death penalty applied to capital murder at the time, which is why she was given that charge. Because there were so many other charges that she could have been given mm-hmm. where there were, n- at that time, was not an automatic death penalty. No, they wanted to kill they her. They wanted they to kill exactly her. They knew exactly what they were doing. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah. So Lena's attorney filed one appeal, which was denied, and then simply dropped her case so he didn't have to deal with it anymore. The governor at the time, Ellis Arnold, granted Baker a 60-day reprieve so that the Board of Pardons and Parole could review the case. But in January of 1945, the board denied Baker clemency. She wasn't even given a single appeal. Nope, nothing. Not even a review. Like, she was just like, they were like, nope. Just put her away. Yep. Well, just kill her. Not even put her away. That's what I mean. Just like, get rid of her. Just just go away. So she was transferred to Georgia State Prison at Reedsville on February 23rd, 1945, and executed on March 5th, 1945. So just another... Like, one of the only things that has, quote unquote, gotten better about the death penalty is that it doesn't happen as quickly as it used to. Now there's like years and years and years of appeals. But all those years and years and years of appeals obviously can drag on and on and on and still not not matter. Yeah. You know, so it's like it, it, it. Yeah, it's just an impossible situation. She maintained her assertion that she had acted in self-defense until her last breath. And these were her last words, quote, what I done, I did in self-defense or I would have been killed myself where I was. I could not overcome it. God has forgiven me. I have nothing against anyone. I picked cotton for Mr. Pritchett and he has been good to me. I am ready to go. I am one in the number. I am ready to meet my God. I have a very strong conscience. Oh, my God. Who's Mr. Pritchett? Just a past boss? Yeah, like a previous boss that like may have probably would have provided decent testimony if they had called any fucking witnesses in her defense. Yeah. Yeah. When she says I am one in the number, does she mean like I'm I'm just one of many? I can only imagine. I mean, that's how how I read it. Yeah, that's how that reads to me. Oh, God. So Lena was buried in an unmarked grave behind Mount Vernon Baptist Church where she had sung in the choir. But in 1998, members of the congregation came together to raise $250 for a small headstone that actually had her name on it, feeling that she had not been given respect even in death. And I have a photo of that headstone that they bought 
on the drive, but then there's a there's another new one that's like actually worthy of this woman. This is from GeorgiaEncyclopedia.org. Quote, in 2001, Georgia discontinued the use of the electric chair as a means of capital punishment and now executes the condemned by lethal injection. The state prison's old death chamber in Reedsville, which is where she was executed, has been restored to its original condition. There, visitors may see the chair, known morbidly as Old Sparky, the generator, switchboard, embalming room, death row cells, and recreation area known as the last mile. Oh, the under-death sentence register is also on display, along with a photo of Baker taken the day she was signed into the prison. Typed underneath it are her last words. This tribute was about all that there was out there, even like acknowledging the injustice to Lena Baker. People simply did not want to talk about it. Black communities were afraid to speak up in fear of this happening to them. Mm -hmm. And white communities were just pretty apathetic to this situation. Mm -hmm. It took 60 years for this case to be looked at again, and this time through at least slightly more just eyes and likely a, a parole board that like isn't just white men, I would hope. Mm -hmm. At the urging of Lena's family, who had been celebrating her life at her graveside every birthday and Mother's Day, a request for post posthumous pardon was submitted to the state in 2003 with the support of Georgia's prison and jail project that we talked about earlier. It took two years, but in 2005, the Georgia Parole Board granted Lena a full and unconditional pardon. Had her request in 1945 to the Parole Board been acknowledged, the Pardons and Parole Board could have lowered her charge to voluntary manslaughter, which was a very would be a very fitting charge in that case. Yeah. Yeah. It could have saved... They would have saved her life and she would have served 15 years, which was the maximum for that charge. Mm -hmm. And then gotten gone back home and gotten to be with her family. Yep. Mm -hmm. Lena's great nephew, a man named Roosevelt Curry, said in an interview with NPR about the pardon, quote, it's the right thing, but they can give me all the papers they want to. Everybody in this world can talk to me, but you cannot remember that you cannot mend a broken heart. Oh, God. It's so sad. Uh, Lena's grave remains in the small, unassuming, and mostly forgotten graveyard behind Mount Vernon Church, but her family has plans to restore the area and build a true memorial to Lena Baker to both grieve and share her story. And her her tombstone has been upgraded Mm -hmm. to something more suiting. I see her new one. It looks a lot better. Yeah, and it of, says, of what this woman went through. It says her name and her birthday and her death mm-hmm. day, and it says the only woman to die in Georgia's electric chair pardoned in 2005. Her birthday, as we record this, was yesterday. Oh, oh that's true. Happy birthday. Happy, birthday, happy heavenly Lena. birthday to Lena Baker. I really love the name Lena. I do, too. It's my great-grandma's just, name. Oh, I, could, I was going to say, I could see Lucy using the name Lena. Having mm-hmm. a Lena. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and rest, Lena. rest in peace to Lena and all the love to her surviving family. That's a you know that's a lot of trauma to to carry in your family line. Yeah, Ugh, people are just. Uh, I just we need to fucking get humans. rid of it. Yeah, we need to we need to we need to burn all of it down. <laughs> all of it. Every all right. Bit. Well, thank you for putting us through this, fanficker mm-hmm. Holly Brown. Mm-hmm. And Holly. your gateway gals, Debbie and Andrea. Or God on- bless. Or Andrea. Andrea. Debbie and Andrea. Debbie. Debbie. Well, thanks for listening and sticking through this episode with yes, us. Yes, yes. We'll see you next week. She dark. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. Cheers.